Welcome to Crime, Colts, and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And I have something exciting to say. Well, somewhat exciting. Okay. So I had mentioned in a past episode that we never get trick-or-treaters. Yesterday, we got our first trick-or-treater in 10 years. Really? Yeah, but I wasn't here for it because I was stuck in 20 minutes of traffic. Oh my god, so you had one sole trick-or-treater and you missed it? Yeah, Timo's like, they were here 10 minutes ago. I'm like, oh, that's fabulous because I was in 20 minutes of non-moving traffic. So I would have seen them. That's so fucking annoying. Yeah, but I was excited. I'm like, maybe next year I'll... I'll be here to witness it and get to dress up and give out candy to maybe two trick-or-treaters. Carson did something so mean to me yesterday. I was so mad. What? So on the way home from work, I called him and I'm like, I really hope we get like a trick-or-treater. I live in an apartment complex. I don't even know if that's a thing, but I know there's a lot of kids. It's like, oh, maybe like they'll come door to door. Like, I don't really know how it works. So I was like, I really hope we get one. So we're cooking dinner and I hear a knock. And I ran to the door with a bag of candy. I was all frantic. And I opened the door and nobody was there. He's hysterically laughing. He fucking knocked (laughs) on the wall, pretending that he was a (laughs) trick-or-treater. I was so mad at him. I didn't talk to him the rest of the night. (laughs) Did you guys get any? No. And at the end of the night, he's like, can we talk about why you were so mad about that? That's funny, but I can totally understand. Yeah, so mean. So I just want to acknowledge before we get into this episode, I already hear a little bit of lagging and I hope it's not like this the whole time. I did my best with editing last week's episode. There were a couple parts where I literally could not take the lagging out because then we would miss a whole part of information. So if it happens again, apologies in advance. I don't know why this has been happening lately with technology, but it is. And do you have anything you want to talk about before we get into our coffee review? Yeah. So I wanted to shout out quickly our new anchor supporter, Kristen. Thank you so much for donating and supporting our podcast. If you guys don't know, you can support our podcast monthly with donations. So anything is helpful. Yes. Thank you so much, Kristen. We really appreciate it. Also, another listener had reached out, and I wanted to just share this bit of information. Her name is Sam, and her husband's in law enforcement, and she asked him about something we were inquiring about back in episode 57. It was really helpful coming from someone in law enforcement. She had said, I wanted to answer Kelsey's question about reporting a missing person. I asked my husband. He says you should always always report immediately as soon as you think someone is missing. He said departments can have different policies regarding missing persons, but he doesn't know a single department that would make you wait a certain period of time before you could report. So Mm. if this department brushed it off, that is extremely poor police work, which completely breaks my heart. That's what she said. Wow. Yeah. I have chills. Thank you so much for reaching out and letting us know that. Yeah. And she had also sent a screenshot of something that she found in their local bureau oh my god I can't talk in their local bureau of criminal investigation and then I had said that the waiting on it thing I had found in research it's like a severely outdated policy or a rumor that obviously a lot of 
people take seriously without knowing any better or like she had said poor police work but she had said if we have any other general law enforcement questions in the future she can always ask her husband Oh my god, wow. I literally had no idea. I thought it was a thing that they don't report missing people for a certain amount of time. Like to wait 48 hours or something like that? Yeah. Or 24 or whatever we usually hear in random cases that we cover. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so thank you, Sam, for sharing that information with us. Thank you so much. Wow, that's crazy. And then we wanted to also officially announce our giveaway winner on the podcast, right? Yeah. Oh my God. Let me just say before we announce, we had so many entries. We had 432 entries, not people enter, but that many entries, 432. So thank you all for entering, supporting, listening, you know, doing all the things. So we're just really happy about that. Yes. And by the time you're hearing this episode, this person has been announced on our story on our Instagram. But we just want to make it official on the podcast. Yeah. Kelsey, you want to do the honors? The official winner is Kara Mayra. I hope Woo. I'm saying that right. And congratulations. Woohoo. <laughs> We're so excited. And we will continue to do these giveaways every Halloween. It's a, an official tradition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have one more thing that I wanted to discuss before we get into our coffee review, and it is a new show that I am binging at the moment. Okay. It's on Netflix, and it's called The Midnight Club, Ooh. and it's incredible. Really? Yeah, it's so good. What do you compare it to? Uh, Does it have anything It's to really to? different. I'll just read, like, the little blurb that's online about it. It okay. says, At a manor with a mysterious history, eight members of the Midnight Club meet each night at midnight to tell sinister stories and to look for signs of the supernatural from beyond. What? But there's so much more to it. Wow, I'm, like, really excited to start that. I need to add that to my... I have now a very long list. <laughs> <laughs> Of things that I need to get caught up on and watch. I'm currently still on Handmaid's Tale and it's so fucking crazy. This show, like, I don't get how it can get even crazier, but it does. And it's still just as thrilling to me. Wow, I have not started it yet. (laughs) It's insane. I need Well, I, I mean, I obviously have started the series, but I haven't started the new season. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I said, I don't know how it continues to surprise me, but it does. So let's get into our coffee review. Yeah. So we have yet another barista parlor coffee today. Thank you so much. They sent us this Halloween coffee blend, if you want to call it that. It's a seasonal blend from them. And they were like, you have to try it. So thank you so much for sending this additional blend for us. Yeah. Thank you, barista parlor. And thank you, Emily. And as always, we we shout her out because she's been in such contact with us and was the one who emailed us being like, hey, keep your eyes peeled. We're sending this Halloween blend your way. Emily, you're the fucking best. (laughs) So this coffee that we're going to be reviewing today is called Monster Mash, which is the cutest name ever. 
And if you haven't noticed, Halloween is not over yet for us. No, it's um, it lasts at least another couple of weeks in our minds. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, it was yesterday, but by the time everyone hears this, it will have been like five days ago. Yeah, so we're just gonna keep it going for a little while. I don't care if you're the type of person that broke out the Christmas lights already. Just hold on to the Halloween for a little while for us. I already told Timo. I mean, there's certain things I have out that will stay out year round, but I already told Timo the quote unquote Halloween decorations are staying up till I put my Christmas decorations out probably after Thanksgiving. Are you an after Thanksgivinger or a before Thanksgivinger? Usually after because I love Halloween so much. I don't want to take my Halloween stuff down. I know, it's true. I'll probably wait this year too. Yeah. But yeah, the Monster Mash blend, now that we're getting off topic. (laughs) (laughs) We're not. It's a Halloween blend. You're right. You're right. First of all, this box is the cutest thing I've ever seen. You need to buy it just for the box, if anything. It's adorable. It's so cute. And there's two sides to it, which we'll be sure to post both sides so you can see the full thing of it. So cute. So I'm going to read the little blurb on their website about this specific blend. It says, spooky season is upon us. We are excited to bring you this limited edition coffee with arguably our coolest box to date. Oh, my God. I didn't even read that. Mm. (laughs) Bring the season to your favorite mug with this special blend. The natural Ethiopia brings sweet citrus notes, juicy acidity, berry nuance, and floral notes to this blend. The natural Columbia brings heavy sweetness particularly red licorice and bubblegum, and a full body. You'll feel like you've done a full night of trick-or-treating with each sip. That is so Uh, cute. That's a cute way to describe it. Yeah. So on their box, as Kelsey just mentioned, it says it's a Colombia and Ethiopia blend. And the notes that they have specifically listed are red licorice, orange slices, and cherry sours. Cool. So this should be an interesting one. Yeah, it's definitely a lot different, I feel like, than we've ever reviewed before. Hmm, let me take a sip. Okay, I'm just going to start off while you're sipping. Immediately, when I opened up the bag and was grinding up the little beans, I smelled berry and licorice. That was yeah. the first two things that I was able to smell. Probably the cherry. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't tried it yet, so what do you think? Okay, so... I definitely taste the cherry notes, and I definitely taste the licorice, as you just mentioned, as an after Mm -hmm. tone at the end kind of thing. But the cherry mostly stands out for me with this coffee. Yeah, I think if you're a licorice fan, this is going to be huge for you. I'm a licorice fan, but as we all know, I'm not a fruit coffee fan. So I think that's where the downside is for me with this coffee. Yeah, I agree with that. But I think... Like, I'm picturing my mom when I when I taste this coffee. She was obsessed with anything licorice, and I think mm-hmm. if she were able to try it, she'd be like, fuck yeah, they made a coffee that tastes like licorice. So if you're a licorice fan, snag one of these before they are gone for the season. Mm-hmm. I put a teeny tiny bit of hazelnut creamer in it because Same. I'm a fucking <laughs> asshole before I read the notes. Same. <laughs> <laughs> and I could say surprisingly another coffee that does not taste bad with hazelnut creamer yeah I think it tastes pretty good I tried it before and after I added the creamer because I wanted to give it the full effect but yeah I think it's it's good with the creamer as well 
So what would you rate this? Because I know you're not a fruit fan either, so. <laughs> I'm not. And I'm not a licorice fan. I think my taste buds are like, I don't know. They're not really feeling this one. I think it's just because that's not my preference. And mm-hmm. like we said multiple times, other people have different preferences. If you like licorice, you're probably going to freaking love this coffee. But I'd probably give it a six and a half just because I'm not a huge fan of the notes. Yeah, see, I was going to go with a six. Mm-hmm. And same thing. I don't think it tastes like awful and I am a licorice fan. I just am not the fruity coffee fan, even though I do love a good cherry sour beer. <laughs> this isn't beer. So <laughs> so <laughs> Barista Parlor, I still love you though. I love your coffee. I love everything you guys do. Love interacting with you. You guys are the best. Yeah. I agree. And we're just so appreciative of your support. So thank you guys so, so, so much. Yeah. And on that note, we get into it. Yeah. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Happy continued Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Continuing on with the Halloween trend, we decided to cover another case that is Halloween oriented. And this one's actually suggested again by let me take a guess go ahead Uh, guess do you have barking dog do you have Um, a barking dog fuck how do you hear that i do it's picking up fucking a he's like across the the parking lot broccoli shut up (laughs) shut the fuck up broccoli (laughs) (laughs) god damn it (laughs) does anyone listening own broccoli no okay should we leave that in or no we're leaving that in fuck you broccoli (laughs) for anyone that doesn't know broccoli is a pain in the ass dog that lives in my apartment complex (laughs) we love animals but broccoli is not a friend of kelsey's dog yeah and just not friends at all they argue every time they see each other (laughs) okay but anyway (laughs) do you want to guess who suggested this case i'm guessing Alyssa. Yes, of course. She <laughs> she always gives us the Halloween suggestions. So thank you so much, Alyssa. Thank you, Alyssa. So getting into this case, it is known as the 2004 Napa Halloween murders. We're going to give a little bit of background, as we always do, about the people involved. The first woman that I'm going to talk about, her name is Adrian Insagna. She was 26 years old at the time of this story. In 1994, when Adrienne was 16, she had almost died in a horrific car accident. The car rolled three times, and she hit her head on the pavement through an open window. Jesus Christ. I cannot imagine what she went through during... And after that experience. That's horrific and traumatizing. She had temporary brain damage after the accident, but ultimately healed, which is so incredible. Wow. She did have some memory loss, and she went back to school within a couple months of the accident. Holy shit. Yeah. I think there were also some physical, obviously, from her injuries, but... Nothing so drastic that she didn't go back to school within a couple months, which is, for for what she went through, that is mind-blowing to me. Yeah, that's insane. I can't believe that. 
Eventually, she got a scholarship to California Polytechnic State University. She became an engineer for the Napa Sanitation District and was hired by the city of Napa after graduating college, which is where she was working at the time of this story. So not only did she have this horrific head injury, she became a fucking engineer. On a scholarship. On a scholarship. Insane. Four months before the events that unfolded in this case, Adrienne celebrated the 10-year anniversary of her car accident with one of her best friends named Lily Prudhomme. She did not have what would be considered a quote-unquote high-risk lifestyle, and I hate to add that in because that shouldn't make a difference, but it was mentioned in a lot of the articles, and I think they just wanted to make it clear that she lived a very, like, quiet lifestyle. Yeah, and I think people jump to conclusions, so, they, you know, it's good to add that in there. Yeah. Adrian had known her small circle of friends for years, and she was known to be funny and strong, which, obviously, she was very strong. Yeah. The second woman that I'm going to talk about is Leslie Mazara. She was also 26 years old at the time of this story. She had a really big circle of friends. She was super outgoing, life of the party, made friends everywhere. She was very smart, and she made everyone feel like they were her best friend. She was a beauty queen in her past, and months before this story took place, she had moved to California from Anderson, South Carolina. So I think that also had a lot to do with her having a big circle of friends and being outgoing like moving to a new place she just she probably wanted to meet tons of people right 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 her mom kathy had her come for the summer to napa to work at a winery and she ended up getting a job at director francis ford coppola's nybaum coppola winery he directed the godfather for those who don't know who francis ford coppola is wow i didn't know that And I had read that she literally got the job, like, on the spot. Wow. So she was so personable. Right. I mean, you have a history of being, like, a beauty queen. You have to know how to talk to people, interact with a bunch of people, say the right things, do the right things. So I'm sure she was, like, a no-brainer for the job. Yeah, she was probably so presentable. Right. At some point, her mom relocated to Michigan, but she decided to stay in Napa because she loved it there. And in the past, she had considered becoming a teacher or an attorney, but she was kind of unsure what path she wanted to take. And that's part of the reason why her mom had her come out to Napa to kind of just relax her mind for the time being and like work at the winery over the summer. Upon working at the winery, she decided that she wanted to have a permanent career in the wine business. Who wouldn't? I mean, imagine working at a winery in Napa, California. That sounds like a dream. Yeah, for real, though. That's amazing. So on to the last and final girl that we're going to be talking about today related to the case. Lauren Mianza. She was 27 years old, so a year older than the other two girls. She coached volleyball at a community college, and she was an all-state athlete. She had a degree in political science. That's, you know, kind of all we found on Lauren. We'll talk a little bit more about the girls later, but um, as far as the background goes, that's what we have. This event occurred in 2004 in Napa, California. 
Napa is known for its beautiful scenery and tons of local vineyards. Before Halloween of 2004, Napa had not had a homicide for over two years. So after what took place, fear rocked this typically safe community. This is a town that, you know, especially in 2004, people weren't worried. You know, it was a very safe place. Families lived here. I feel like, I mean, you hear this in in so many documentaries and when you're reading cases and when you're listening to podcasts that it wasn't expected to happen here. So that goes to show, like, crime can happen anywhere. Yeah. But it wasn't a town where crime constantly occurred. Right. So moving on to October 31st, the night of October 31st into November 1st, 2004. Adrian, Leslie, and Lauren were handing out candy to trick-or-treaters from their Dorset Street home on Halloween night. The girls were all roommates at the time, so that's kind of how they all tied in together. At 11 p.m., the kids were gone and the girls ended up going to bed. Adrian and Leslie lived upstairs in this house and then Lauren lived downstairs in the house. So around 2 a.m., Lauren woke up to the sound of breaking glass and, quote, a blood-curdling, terrified scream. Oh, my God. That is so horrifying. I can't even imagine that being what you wake up to at 2 (sighs) a.m. Lauren quietly went upstairs to see what was going on, but she heard loud footsteps coming towards her, so she ran back down out the door. Oh, my God. She then hid in the yard, which is super smart of her. I can't even imagine running upstairs and being like, oh, my God, are my my roommates okay? And then hearing, like, clearly not your roommates running towards you. Mm-hmm. Eventually, she heard someone leaving the house through the basement window and running away. Lauren then made her way back into the house and upstairs. When she went back inside, she heard Adrian crying from her room. Leslie was face down in a pool of blood, and Adrian was hiding behind the bed, still alive. Oh, God, that makes me so sick. I have the chills. I can't even imagine walking in on any of my roommates like that. That sounds horrible. No, never mind the fact how brave she was to go back into the house in the first place. Right. When that person could show back up there at any point. Or there could have been multiple, right? Yeah. When she found Adrian, she was badly injured and bleeding. There was so much blood in the room, Lauren slipped when she walked in. Both Leslie and Adrian had been stabbed many times. Lauren attempted to call 911, but the house line was dead, which is literally a typical scene out of a horror film. Yeah, there might be a a conflicting bit of information with that one, because I had read in one other article that she had connected with an operator for like a second or two, and and then it went dead again. So either way, she could not connect through the house phone, which, like you just said, is literally from a fucking horror movie. So scary. So she then fled the house and called for help from her cell phone. She was obviously extremely fearful that the perp would come back. Paramedics arrived quickly, but unfortunately, Adrian died shortly after their arrival. I feel so sorry for them. It's just a horrifying thing to have happened for all three of the girls. And you're literally just going 
to sleep on Halloween night in your house. After having trick-or-treaters come around, that is just horrible. Oh, my God. So moving on to the investigation. During the investigation, there was noted to be cigarette butts outside the home, and none of the women smoked. This suggested that the perp had been waiting outside before breaking in and attacking the girls. He was smoking as he waited for the perfect time to enter the home. That makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, literally just like chilling outside. Did They didn't even know he was there and he's just like so nonchalant and casual about it that he's smoking a cig. Yeah, just chain smoking outside this house. And I had read in, again, one of the articles that these butts were smoked down to like the very end. So he was there for a while. Right. And like maybe the other side of it was he was so anxious about what he was about to do that he was smoking like crazy until Mm -hmm. like he worked up the courage to go in. Yeah. But that also shows that he had the time to think about changing his mind. Oh, yeah. 100%. Police collected 266 items of potential evidence from the home. Blood was also found at the scene, and it was determined to not be from Adrian or Leslie. The killer had injured himself during the attack, or one of the girls had injured him during the attack. Wow. Napa residents were obviously terrified while the killer was on the loose, and as mentioned, Napa was commonly viewed as a safe community, so it was really amped up. Yeah, I can imagine this happening to a small town and just everybody being on edge after that. Police believe that Leslie was the intended target of the murders. And this was because she was stabbed first and her attack was especially brutal. Evidence showed that she had been sleeping when she was stabbed and tried to run away after waking up from that. Horrible. She ran towards Adrian's room. This is all speculation, by the way, of what they think happened from the crime scene. Like, based on the crime scene? and Yeah. yeah. Okay. In the meantime, Adrian had possibly heard the attack and had been going to see what was going on and or to help Leslie. And she was then stabbed as well. That's what they believe happened. Police interviewed more than 1,500 people. Wow. That is incredible. Holy shit. They also obtained DNA, but there were no matches. One article stated that 200 of the men interviewed had given DNA samples. Wow. And they tested all of those. That's a lot of investigative work. That really is. And a lot of DNA to have to run through the system to either be like, yes or no. Mm Mm-hmm. And then try again, you know? Right. The investigation then focused in on the backgrounds of the girls to see if there was anyone in connection with them that could have committed this atrocious crime because obviously they weren't getting any hits with the DNA or with the interview process. Right. And imagine, like, how frustrating for them, the town, the family of these girls, Lauren, who survived it. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Getting into some more background information of each of them, I'll start with Adrian. So after Adrian had gotten her job working for the city of Napa, she began dating a man named Christian Lee. They had an on-again, off-again relationship, 
And according to articles, he wasn't really ready for a serious commitment. On Halloween night, Adrian saw Christian. She ended up stopping by his house after handing out candy, but then left there around 10 p.m. According to him, they had an argument that night regarding his commitment and the fact that Adrian had recently met another guy at a party. So that's super suspicious. I mean, of course, you're going to think of any kind of argument as like a, a motive. Come on, Christian. You don't want to commit to Adrian, but you don't want her to move on and try to have another relationship with another guy. Right. Next. Yeah. I imagine that MTV show. Next. <laughs> that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Agreed. Moving on to Leslie. So weeks before her murder, and remember, pay close attention to this one because this is the one who they think was targeted. Weeks before her murder, two of her friends came to visit from South Carolina. They'd said she was dating two men. One was described as being older. They said that Leslie was pretty serious about the second guy. The friends said that the older man came by one day and had seen flowers that the other man had sent Leslie. And he was described as being, quote-unquote, furious about this. Hmm. One of the friends also said that, quote, the night Leslie was murdered, the father of, the, of a man Leslie had broken up with had tried to repeatedly reach her by telephone, which is fucking weird. Yeah. And that was a quote from Medium.com, by the way. A lot more detail is described about the ins and outs of her relationships in one of the articles. And apparently the father obviously was questioned because they're like, even the police were like, this is fucking weird. Mm -hmm. But he was cleared and everyone kind of described Leslie as just being that person that so many people were attracted to. She just had that spark where people like loved her. Reached out to her a lot. Yeah, Yeah, and obviously even parents, I guess loved her who knows why he was reaching out to her if it was malicious or not right right but yeah just like you said the police found that sketchy as well i just wanted to point that out leslie was also known to stay on good terms and keep in touch with her past exes here are some things that were discovered regarding exes or past admirers an email from an ex that had proposed to her was found on her computer it was sent not long before the murder the family of a man sent her on a cruise, which, hey, I would that would be a great thing to happen. That'd be lovely. Right? Send yes, please. <laughs> You're listening? Send me and Brown a cruise. <laughs> a month before her death, she brought luggage with her to South Carolina. An admirer had given her this luggage. Allegedly, she was also given a car by a man, so... She had lots of people that were just, like, kind of almost throwing themselves at her. She was, you know, just very personable, like we had mentioned. So those are just some examples. Yeah, I mean, again, how I had mentioned earlier, how they had said that one of the girls wasn't high risk. I felt it was almost awful that this had to be mentioned because I hope that the media representation of it wasn't to bash her for seeing many men or having many relationships. You know what I mean? Right. Cause I don't, that's not the case. And that's e- no, in any way, shape or form an excuse for what happened. Right. And I think that first of all, it's completely okay for people to date around. Mm-hmm. And second of all, 
I think the reason we wanted to put it in there is because these are all possibilities for someone who could have done this to her. Right. And just to show that she would, like Kelsey just said, she was a personable person. People loved her. Someone could have taken that a step further and committed a crime like this. Right. So police ended up interrogating Christian Lee, who, remember, was the one connected with Adrian. She went to his house at 10 p.m. and they got in the argument. And also the men that were involved with Leslie were interviewed and interrogated. DNA was also taken from them, but there was no matches from anything that we had just mentioned. So those kind of led nowhere. There were also some rumors that came along. Obviously, people like to talk. And it's not always the best, but we wanted to include this as well, just so we made sure we had all the information that was put out there given to you guys. So as residents' fear grew, rumors swirled regarding who could have done this. And a popular rumor was that the girls were caught up in drugs and the murders were a hit in connection to that. I hate that. Same. That's That's so fucking annoying. Like, why is that always an assumption? Right, and why... First of all, why does that, why do people, yeah, and why do people feel the need to create rumors about a brutal murder? Yeah, like it's bad enough that these families have to go through what they're going through, but then to be like, oh, it was, it had to be drug related. Like what? Right. And then you're also potentially putting the investigators on the path of something that doesn't exist and wasting fucking time where they could be spending it trying to actually find the person who did this. Right. So another rumor was that Francis Ford Coppola, who was the owner of the winery that Leslie worked at and a director, had mob ties. This is a rumor, like I said. They had basically said that the girls were quote-unquote collateral damage for some reason. Like, who made that up? Come on. Right. And neither of these rumors were substantiated, which is why they're called rumors. (laughs) (laughs) so events that happened after the murders after time had passed adrian's best friend lily prudhomme got married to her boyfriend eric koppel they had dated for almost eight years and remember lily was the one that adrian had celebrated that 10 years since her accident with like i said they had dated for almost eight years but they had put their wedding off a year earlier Adrian's mom, Arlene, went to the wedding. A year had passed since Adrian passed away. And Lily was kind of like, wow, life's really too short. We should just get married. Yeah. So they had their wedding and Adrian's mom went. And She Will Be Loved was played in honor of Adrian because that was her favorite song. A fundraiser called The Raising Race was created to raise money for Calvary Home for Children in memory of Leslie. Leslie worked with this charity when living in South Carolina. So sweet. I just wanted to add in there really really quickly. The charity was for children, um, basically giving them a place to live if they didn't have one, which is so sweet. Yeah, it was apparently a playoff of The Amazing Race. And two Survivor contestants helped create this fundraiser with one of Leslie's friends. Oh, sweet. September 2005, police released info to the public. They disclosed the information about the cigarette butts. So the public had not known that information beforehand. 
They also said the brand was Turkish gold, which is a variation of camels. These cigs had only been on the market for a select period of time. Oh, my God. DNA on the cigarettes matched the blood DNA in the bedroom. Wow. So the question was, would the public know whose cigarettes they were, or would the information go nowhere, which is always the case when the police decide to share bits of information to try to help move the case along. Right. I feel like with it being such a specific brand and it newly being on the market, like releasing this to the public was so important because someone could have been like, wait, that's so weird. I know my coworker smokes these and nobody else does, you know? Right. And the fact that they know the DNA was the same on the cigarette and the blood that was found in the house that directly ties the person who smoked the cigarettes to being the perpetrator. Right. So on to the arrest. On a Tuesday night, Lily and Eric Koppel and some of their family members showed up at the police station. They had heard about the cigarettes being found at the crime scene. He believed he was about to be caught, and Eric Koppel turned himself in for the murders of Adrian and Leslie. That was mind-blowing when I read that. I just, like, do you think he was, like, saw the media release and he's like, well, they're gonna know it's me. Yeah, he's like, fuck, I smoke those cigarettes. That is so crazy to me. Yeah, there was also mention of, and obviously we don't get want to get too much into him, but there was also mention of before he turned himself in, he had written suicide notes and left them at family members' houses or in their mailbox or whatnot, and then once family members approached him, he decided to turn himself in. And, like, just so you remember who this is because it took me a while to figure out like the connection to all this again Eric Koppel is Lily's new husband Lily was best friends with Adrian I just can't my I can't even wrap my head around it they honored Adrian at their wedding I can't even I don't understand after his arrest DNA was taken and it matched both the cigarettes and the blood at the crime scene he had no previous record Adrian's mom was obviously shocked as she literally just attended their wedding and he was the husband of Adrian's best friend. (sighs) So there's obviously still so many questions at that time about like why, what happened, you know, what was the motive? Police were also scrutinized over the arrest because Koppel had never been questioned and his DNA had never been taken. Meanwhile, so close to the crime. Yeah, meanwhile, he was literally in their inner circle because he was dating her best friend for eight years. That's insane to me. Allegedly, they called him in the beginning of the investigation, but he never returned their messages. There was no follow-up, and the police chief said that eventually they would talk to Koppel. They were just like, oops, we let this one slide through the cracks. I had also read something that Lauren, who again is the survivor of all of this, had, after they had released the cigarette thing, she was kind of like running through her head, who do I know that's close to all of us, like that would know all of us kind of thing, that would smoke those cigarettes, and she eventually made the connection of, oh, 
did they interview Koppel? Well, she had mentioned it to the police, but I guess at that point they just hadn't gotten around to interviewing him yet. So I feel like that's probably where they were coming from with like they would have eventually talked to him because they probably would have now that Lauren kind of made the connection. Yeah. But at the same time, he was questioned, he was called in the beginning of the investigation and it was never followed up. Yeah, that's crazy. He slipped through the cracks somehow. But they interviewed 1,500 people, so it's also, like, not they weren't slacking. Right, right. I don't know. It's just the wrong person to slip through the cracks. Yeah. So on to the sentencing. January of 2007, Koppel was sentenced to life in prison. He took a plea deal, which took the death penalty off the table. This plea deal was agreed upon by the families of Adrian and Leslie as well. He pled guilty to two counts of first-degree murder, and he's currently serving two life sentences with no possibility of parole. Leslie's mom, Kathy, and Adrian's mom, Arlene, both read statements and addressed Koppel in court. Uh. I can't even imagine that situation, having to look at your child's killer having to do it like talk to them in a courtroom it's just horrifying yeah kathy's statement was something like 13 pages long wow lily also spoke she talked of her grief as well but she also showed support for her husband i'm sorry what yeah and eventually she divorced him but kept his last name and we'll kind of leave it at that because i have a lot A lot of feelings that aren't my right to say. Yeah, I mean, I can't put myself in that position, but I definitely do not agree. There's a lot of her statement out in the media with how she addressed and worded things. And everyone can take a look at that on their own because I feel like we would have to be vocal about it. And I kind of don't want to go down that road. Yeah, we just can't. Koppel also spoke, but who gives a fuck about that? (laughs) So he blamed the murders on depression, alcohol, and other factors in his life. And we won't get far into that because his words do nothing to bring these women back. So they honestly don't fucking matter whatsoever. Literally, he just plays the blame game. Ew. Yeah, and, and takes fucking no responsibility and is just a disgusting human being so why do his words matter i i they don't they don't the napa police never publicly stated a motive but here's something interesting november 1st 2004 was not only the day that these murders occurred it was the date that koppel and lily prudhomme had originally planned to get married What the fuck? Lily had called off that wedding. Lily said her and Adrian would talk to each other about things, including their relationships. So it's kind of speculated in articles and stuff that he might have assumed that Adrian 
had and kind of encouraged Paul yeah encouraged her calling off the wedding or he was jealous of their relationship and that he might be losing Lily and that Lily had Adrian or that he was so fucked up over the whole thing because clearly he was fucked up that he didn't want to kill Lily but he decided to like take Adrian from Lily that is the most fucked up thing. And the fact that there's just, like, no clear motive is what pisses me off even more. Yeah, but clearly, whatever the reason is that he decided to do this to Adrian and Leslie, clearly it was tied back to him not getting married on that date because that's the day they were taken. Right. Koppel had been to the house on Dorset Street before, and he had actually never met Leslie what the fuck so all along the police thought that leslie was the main target and really sadly adrian had been the main target there was also speculation that so he had never met leslie so maybe he assumed that lauren and adrian were in the house and maybe they had switched rooms around and leslie's room had been Adrian's room in the past or he thought that was Adrian for some reason and then Adrian ended up coming out and attacking him so he ended up killing both girls but he did not know there were three women in that house wow I just like this one just blows my mind because it's like what not that a reason justifies anything but what the fuck was the reasoning Right. Really, you were jealous because of potentially jealous of a relationship that your fiance had with a friend. Right. Or you're so angry and you can't take it out on Lily. So you decide to just take her best friend from her. Like what the nothing makes sense. Nothing. Nothing makes sense. And never mind the fact that he had plenty of time to change his mind. He stood outside smoking, waiting and thinking about it. Right. It's not like he, you know, was this the moment decision yeah there was also mention again don't want to get too into it because his perspective like doesn't matter whatsoever but he had mentioned basically being outside smoking and then kind of not remembering things after that not remembering where he put the murder weapon blah 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 but he was coherent enough to burn his clothes after Mm -hmm. and cover up or try to dispose of evidence and to escape he clearly knew what he was doing right like what the hell yeah so a little bit of something happy lauren left napa and moved to la where she's living her life according to the most updated article i could find about what's going on with her According to an article from 2006, and this is a separate article, she was using exercise and support from friends to help her cope. And she also felt that she still had a spiritual connection with Adrian and Leslie as they made a big impact on her life. Oh, I can't even imagine going through something like that, living through it, you know, having all of those memories. It's just horrifying. Yeah. And obviously, she went through something so traumatic and not only has a void from losing her friends, but probably just so much trauma from witnessing the whole thing and surviving that. I just can't even imagine going through something like that. 
yeah I hope she's doing okay and I hope that their families are doing as well as they can because obviously Adrian and Leslie did not no one deserves it but they did not deserve that at all no I can't even wrap my head around this whole situation so it just seems so senseless and like had such a huge impact on so many people like you just said there's so many things that my head cannot wrap around with this case like the fact that they had her mom at their wedding where they honored her like clearly her friend didn't know but he knew and he was the fucking groom or did she know and she was like supporting him regardless i don't know i don't know i don't think she did because i had also read that and i'm interested to see this episode now there was an episode of 48 hours before he had turned himself in regarding this case and she was interviewed for it because obviously she was close to the case she made some kind of statements while being interviewed saying basically whoever did this someone has to know someone close to them friend or family they had to have come home covered in blood or had scratches like mm-hmm. how could like someone has to know and this was her talking yeah and Apparently, the eerie thing as well is he was in the room when she was being recorded saying that, and she had no idea it was her husband. Wow. I don't know. How do you not only commit the crime, though, but also then move forward, honor her mother at your wedding? Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm glad it doesn't because it's clearly psychotic. Yeah. Everything he did just just does not make sense there's no rhyme or reason I I don't think there's ever a rhyme or reason maybe in someone's sick mind there's a rhyme or reason right well on that note I think that kind of wraps up our Halloween episodes and sadly until next year I know I know obviously we're obsessed with Halloween now it'll be on to the crazy Christmas murders or something who knows I, I mean I wish we could talk about just skeleton jack and the Sanderson sisters and have a whole podcast about that if (laughs) true crime didn't exist that would be ideal but it does we've said in the past we just want to bring awareness to these cases and to these people's stories and do our best to do that yeah yeah so do you have anything else you want to add to the end of this episode I don't think so I think everyone needs to go watch the midnight club I'm going to do it right now, actually. Tell me what you think. I will. <laughs> also, don't forget, we have merch available on our oh, Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our Instagram shop, we have new stuff, which is the crew neck, the sweatpants, and the beanie. But we also have old stuff that we've had for a little while. And it's all embroidered by the company Parent Hand, which they do an amazing professional job. So check them out as well on Instagram. You can shop on our Instagram shop or you can go on riotbabe.com and look under the CCC Riot Babe collab. Yes. And as I sit in my cloak of darkness right now, I'm going to make a weird statement because it's not going to sound right, but it's accurate. Okay. So by the time everyone's listening to this, those who have ordered from us, your stuff was shipped yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) If that makes sense. 
Sorry, it was a week lag. Well, from when some of you ordered, some of you only ordered maybe like three days ago, but mm -hmm. we had to wait to have everything in hand to be able to package and ship stuff out for you guys. Yeah, so keep an eye out in the mail for that. We can't wait for you guys to try it on and wear it. Make sure you tag us on Instagram. I'm literally wearing the crew neck right now. I'm Same. obsessed with it. Are you really? Same, yes. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. I've worn it pretty much every night since we've got it, so. Oh my god, amazing. And Kels, guess what? What? We're also on our way to mom's surprise trip at the moment. <gasps> oh my god. If she's <laughs> listening on the airplane, we're still not telling you where we're going. <laughs> yeah, it's still a surprise because you probably will hear this before we're there. Exactly. <laughs> we should tell her that we talked about it and she'll be like, ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's making so many guesses and she keeps switching where she thinks we're going, but we are not telling her. It's very entertaining though. <laughs> Listeners, we surprised mom with a secret trip for her 60th birthday. Next week you will find out where we went. Yeah. And until then, let's get into our spiel so we can yeah. go enjoy ourselves wherever we are. Maybe it's hot. Maybe it's cold. Maybe it's snowing. Maybe we're on a beach. <laughs> Either way, we have a heated pool and that's all she knows. <laughs> so you can go to our Instagram at Crime Colts and Coffee. That's where we post our weekly coffee reviews, photos from each week, and then also the link in our bio. It shows all of our listening platforms. We also have an Instagram shop, like I had mentioned, where you can find all of our merch that's available. You can also find us on Crime Cults and Coffee Facebook. That's where we post weekly resources and photos from each case. If you want to give us a case suggestion like Alyssa did for this episode or share a listener story, which we haven't gotten in a little while now. So long. Yeah, come on. You can email us at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram at crimecoltsandcoffee. If you would be so kind to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you listen there, it helps our podcast so much. We have a full-time job on top of this full-time job. We do this for the people involved in these cases. We do this for your listening and awareness to these cases. So it would just really help our podcast out if you can leave a rating and review for us. Also, if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe on any listening platform of your choice, and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week. Yeah. And until then. Bye, guys. Have a good week. Bye. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook